This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, brought to you by Carson. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual, I'm joined by my friends and colleagues, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, gentlemen, and hello, people listening in. Thank you. And the man with the news, Mr. Arif Bruce. Hi, Arif. Hola, everybody. How's it going? Very well. Thank you very much. A show in three parts. We've got some car launches up front and a bit of a discussion about uh, Velfires. You might have heard this in the news. Uh, then we've got some uh, Honda Cities and some Peugeots. And then a bit of a used car review at the end of the show about the Nissan Days. Oh, my days. Indeed. We will get there. First of all, though, Arif, what have we got? As uh, Richard pointed out, there's been some news about some Velfires yet again. Mm. And it's Velfires from ministers. And it, I guess it was a display from the government to show their commitment towards cutting costs because they announced last week that they are going to be replacing the stretched proton perdanas with a bunch of Velfires. And the finance minister says that this is because it's cheaper to run the Velfires as the government will save an extra two ringgit 80 cents a month per car. Just in terms of numbers, according to the finance ministry, the monthly rental cost of the Velfire 2.5 litres is 4,851 ringgit and 61 cents. Proton Perdana 2.4 premium was priced at 4,854 ringgit 41 cents. So two ringgit 80 cents savings there. Everything that's needed to be said has been said by literally everybody around Malaysia because it's honestly quite absurd. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this, guys. (laughs) Before Daniel gets in, because I know he will. Daniel, if you were to buy a uh, Proton Padana 2.4 premium, how much would you pay per month to buy it, Um, roughly? You see, you cannot calculate what's the rough uh, monthly installment for a normal person, normal Malaysian to buy because everything that goes to the government, government Mm. uh, vehicles, they don't buy directly from Proton or they don't buy directly from Toyota. This this Mm. is a magical situation. For years, they've been buying from a company called Spanco. Have you heard of them? I have heard of them, yes. Say now the government wants to buy, say, 50 Wellfires. Mm. So instead of going to UMW Toyota and buying those 50 Wellfires, which come with after sales and warranty and everything else, they will buy it from Spanko. And Spanko says they will handle everything. But the cars still go back to UMW Toyota. You understand what I mean? I do. There is a lot of questions on the reason why Spanko still exists all these years. Uh-huh. So they are saying that the monthly installment for a Proton Perdana 2.4 premium is $4,854.41. Now, if the government decided to buy a Myvi from Spanko, it'll probably be (laughs) $3,842.36. And if they decided to buy a Kanchil from Spanko, it'll probably be $3,142.11. What I'm trying to say is there is a margin put on top which nobody can answer for years. Right. Apart from Spanko could probably answer. Yes. I guess a lot of people have said like the extra cost comes from the fact that, oh, if the car breaks down uh, when you're in parliament or something, you don't have to send the car. They will send somebody to you to pick up the car and fix that car on your behalf. So that's the service charge. Do you know, I've even got that service. It's called an insurance company. Oh. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, some people pointing out as well that the perdana that they actually get, the ministers used to get, they were stretched and they were. These things had custom chassis, custom paneling, custom interior and accessories because I guess they needed something that was kind of fit for a minister. But do ministers deserve Velfires? Definitely not. Oh, no, no. I disagree. I think they deserve Velfires. Yeah. <laughs> for all the hard work. <laughs> they are working so hard, number one. Number two, you must understand, gentlemen, and please understand this. Arif, you are very skinny. Richard, you are very skinny. (laughs) You will not understand this. But some of the ministers, they need the space. (laughs) I can tell you now, Daniel, after the uh, pandemic, I am not as skinny as you last remember. Especially after Deepa Valley. Especially after Deepa Valley, I mean, maybe you've put on a couple of pounds. But, you know, some of the people we're talking about, they need that space. They need that, Mm. that access to go into the vehicle, you know? Mm, mm, mm. So a well fire makes very good sense. You know, they can't move. Anyway, I think we should probably move on. Yes, I think. Correct. Yes, yes. Otherwise, we're going to get ourselves into trouble, aren't we? Hmm. What have we got then in terms of uh, launches, Arif? We're going to start with expensive vans. Mm. Oh, funnily enough. Uh, it's a Mercedes-Benz Vito Tourer, and it's not as expensive as the uh, Toyota Wellfire. But it's not quite in minister spec because this is kind of the van that a five-star international hotels and resorts chain would get because of the Mercedes badge. And because of the fact that it has 10 seats in a van. That's quite a lot, actually. Yeah, You rarely hear about those things, right, Daniel? Uh, Actually, no. You know the Hyundai Starex? Yeah. Also 10 seats. I thought that was 11, in fact. Yes. This one has a Mercedes badge. And of course, what's similar with a lot of these panel vans turned into like people carriers is that the seating can be customized. So apparently with this Mercedes van, you can chuck out the final row of seats and replace it with luggage space that you can put in everybody's expensive bags and everything. Correct. Very, very useful purpose-built van filled with lots of leather seats and all of the knickknacks found in the Mercedes-Benz part bins. So the door handles look the same as the ones that you get in the C-Class. The same with the vents, the seat controls, the steering wheel, the dials. And it all costs 342000 ringgit for a 10-seater van. You know, if you ran a hotel, that would be quite reasonable, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, if you ran a hotel is one thing. But also, I think for transporting people in terms of, you know, like a small excursion tour, you know? Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, come on. There's a lot of people out there with large families. Yeah. Uh, if you actually put all the kids in, in seats... Don't put them on laps if you've got a helper at home, if you've got some elderly in-laws or you know parents staying with you. This makes a lot of sense. And it's still a Mercedes, so you've still got all that safety features and that you know quality that comes with a Mercedes-Benz. And also, you must understand, this platform of this vehicle is very similar to what you get in Europe as a commercial van. That means without any windows and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, of course, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I mean, like a van, you know, like a like cheap vehicle. But end of the day, you've got leather seats inside, you've got electric seats, you've got power door, you've got aircon vents all over the place. I remember when, when we used to travel on Mercedes-Benz events and launches, this is the kind of vehicle that will pick us up from the airport. The luggage can go in, a whole bunch of journalists inside. We're comfortable. We're traveling to the location, maybe 100, 200 kilometers. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. But can you fit 10 people in a vehicle and will it pass the SOPs right now? If it's all from the same family, it's fine. So we have to wait for that to change. Ah. To be honest, if I had, a, say, six people in my family and I wanted something ultra comfortable, I'll just yeah. remove the, the last row and then maybe even, you know, the middle row, I'll just change it into two captain seats and yeah. you'll get a yeah. very comfortable large vehicle with a lot of space to lounge. That's right. 
In terms of technicals, it's powered by the same four-cylinder engine that came from the outgoing Mercedes C-Class. It's got a nine-speed transmission. And as Daniel mentioned, it's got almost all of the safety kits that Mercedes can offer. Even something called crosswind assist because it's absolutely necessary. I mean, it's basically a bread van, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if it encounters the crosswind, it's going to topple over. <laughs> so apparently, if there is a crosswind, the car will sense that and it will you know, slow down and nudge your steering wheel a little bit to counter the crosswind. Very, very interesting stuff. There was another big piece of news that came out this week, and that has to do with Porsche, because a couple of months ago, we said, and everybody reported really, that uh, Porsche was thinking of opening their first ever assembly plant outside of Europe. And they have. The plant is now in Kulim, Kedah. It's quite far away from KL, where most of its buyers will be, but they've apparently decided to locally assemble finally, the Porsche Cayenne in Malaysia. And what this means, obviously, is that the price drops from 665,000 ringgit all the way down to 550,000 ringgit. I mean, it's a significant saving, but it's still a lot of money. Yeah. And especially for a Porsche, you're going to be adding a lot more cost onto it eventually. Nobody wants to buy a base model Porsche. Um, in terms of the technicals, not much has changed. 3 litre V6, 340 horsepower, 450 newton meters of torque, and an 8 speed gearbox. Similar sort of standard equipment. You get 21 inch wheels, both surround sound system, dynamic LED headlights, you know, the ones that follow the corners round. But as I mentioned, you can still hit the 665,000 ringgit price tag by ticking everything that Porsche asks you to tick, which is exclusive manufacture package, which costs about as much as a MyV, 60,000 <laughs> ringgit for that one. Uh, Porsche additional equipment, that's 6,000 ringgit. You get 22-inch rims and carbon interior package, which they will not list the price. So 550,000 ringgit for a base model. But if you want a Cayenne that's worth it, it's still going to cost 665,000 ringgit probably. Um, any thoughts about the uh, assembly plant, Daniel? I think the assembly plant, personally, I know, I've not heard this, but you heard it here first. <laughs> I think it's gearing up for the electric assembly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yes, because the Macan is going to be replaced very soon. So the new one is going to be a full EV. And I think with the new EV uh, subsidies and tax incentives and everything else, it just makes sense for the new Macan EV to come in, which will follow through, I think, with the Taycan. Mm. And hopefully the Taycan Cross Turismo and hopefully also a bunch of new Porsche hybrid models because those are apparently quite impressive. Yes. Now, the thing is, when this happens, Mercedes and BMW are going to have a bit of a problem. Because why? Mm -hmm. the, the Porsche pricing is going to be very close to a Mercedes and BMW. Mm. And you know, if you can afford a new BMW or Mercedes, paying a little bit more for a Porsche is not that far off. Especially with the incentives that are going to come with like electric vehicles here and, and one thing or another as well. It's going to make a big difference long term. Yeah, and that Porsche badge always tickles people a little bit more. Does. Yeah. But Kulim, of all places? Well, Kulim is nice. Have you been there recently? You know, it, it just seems a long way. Like Arif said, it seems a long way. It's about four hours, you know, if you drive, you keep to the speed limit, about four hours you reach there. It's very nice. Uh, uh, okay. Apparently, there's lots of plants there, right? Mm. Uh, speaking of brands that tickle the hearts and mm. minds of people, specifically you, Daniel. Oh, here we go. Wait for the Italian accent. Here we, here we Maserati go. Ah, there we go. Hybrid has arrived. Do you want to attempt to offend more people, Daniel? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, so, Maserati recently launched the Maserati Ghibli Hybrid, and Ghibli is their C-Class 4 Series competitor. It's not the big one, that's the Quattroporte, and this one represents Maserati's first actual steps globally 
towards electrification. So they'll be launching two different Ghibli hybrid models. There's obviously the V6, which has already been here, but these two hybrid models both get a two-liter four-cylinder turbo mild hybrid with an electric supercharger. And it makes about 330 horsepower, so it's no slouch despite being a four-cylinder turbo. Um, there's a base model, 427,000 ringgit. There's a Grand Sport model, 457,000 ringgit. Both prices without tax because the brand deserves as such. Yes, but you know, do you know what the price is after tax? What is it? It's close to 940,000 ringgit. <sighs> because there's no more benefit for hybrid. There's only benefits for EV. Yeah. I don't know, Rich. Would you spend 900,000 on a Maserati? No. I'd love to be able to say yes, but no, I'd spend that amount of money on a house. Yeah. But, but you see, the thing is with this car, I was looking at it very closely now. The three liter V6 is about 700,000 ringgit. Mm. Yeah. This is a two liter, it's a brand new engine, it's a hybrid engine, and it's from Maserati. It's not shared technology with anyone else. Yeah. But it had 400 odd thousand ringgit before tax, and then you got with tax 940,000 ringgit. The person buying this car, honestly, at this price point, is he really interested in saving fuel? I don't think so, right? No. And then, even though the car is fast, okay, it's almost as fast as the 3-liter V6, you still want that Maserati V6 engine growl, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, now this 2-liter sounds like just any other European 2-liter engine. It's not aggressive, it's not loud, it's not Maserati, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at 900 over 1,000 ringgit, if I walked into the showroom to look at this car, yeah, it's nice, you know, it's, but it's not a whole new model. That's number one. Number yep. two, I can get the Levente for 800,000 ringgit, the SUV, you know, and that's so much more. Or you top up a little bit to about a million and you get the full fat uh, Maserati Quattro Porte. Exactly. So why would I buy this? I'm sorry to say this, but I don't see this car making waves in Malaysia. At this point, I really don't see the point in even bringing this car in. Do you think it's more likely to be like a rich person's garage filler? Okay, you see, if you're a rich person, you'll buy the 3-liter V6 because it's the same mm. car. The only mm. difference with this car and the V6, apart from the engine and the price, is the little blue inserts on the fender and, and the mm. headlamp and the rear badge. And then the, it's got a new infotainment system, which is just a little bit more responsive and a bigger screen. But really, if you're buying a Maserati, you want a Maserati engine, you know, a 3-liter mm. V6 or a V8. And this 2-liter, it just doesn't target me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, should we take a break? Yep. yep, I think so. Okay, folks, we've come to the end of uh, part one. Of course, uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We've got some more car launches, a, a little bit more affordable this time, hopefully. So you are tuned in, of course, to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control, the car show brought to you by Carsom. If you're only just tuning in, you heard us speaking a little bit about Velfires, some Mercedes Benz, a little bit of a Porsche, and some Maserati stuff. Now we're moving on to something a little bit more affordable. Arif, what have you got for us now? From one spectrum of the price list to the other, we've got a hybrid Perodua Ativa, which is a car that's particularly exciting for a lot of Malaysians because it's a hybrid. And it's not a regular hybrid. It's something called an e-smart hybrid. Mm. It'll be powered by... <laughs> 
<laughs> he sounded so excited at return. He, he did, right? He's like, oh, yeah, here's another group of vehicles. <laughs> this one, I think, is particularly interesting, genuinely. This eSmart hybrid system, it comes from Toyota. It's a 100% Toyota product. Of course, we all know that the Padua Etiva is a reimagined Daihatsu Rocky. And the Daihatsu Rocky is a product of the Toyota Rays. So mm. you've got Toyota Rage, which is the mothership, and then they made the Daihatsu Rocky, they, they, they tweaked it. And then, of course, Perdua has got the Ativa, which is further tweaked for Malaysian consumers. So the, the new hybrid is actually going to be coming from Toyota, which was launched with the Daihatsu Rocky in Japan quite successfully. And now, because Perdua has to move towards hybrid, probably very soon electric also, I think this is the teaser before the electric car comes from Perdua. Mm. The most interesting thing about this car, I think, is that it's a petrol-powered car, but it drives like an electric car. Yes. It works in the same way that the BMW i3 did. You have an electric motor that drives the whole car, but you have a little 1.2-litre powertrain that essentially generates energy for the electric motor. Right. Something like the Honda City RS. Yes, which we have some news about later on. But um, the benefits of this sort of like construction is that you get no transmission in there. some more compact construction. And of course, you get a more peppy electric powertrain, which is also more efficient. Apparently, it does three and a half liters per hundred kilometer, which mm. is just numbers, but is very, very good. The electric part of the car, I guess, it has a one pedal driving sort of attitude. So you just drive the car with your throttle, which also recuperates energy, acts as a brake. So that is quite an interesting thing, especially for, you know, a mass market car in Malaysia like Produa. It gets people feeling about how an electric car would act and drive. So that's a very, very good thing, I think. And, you know, Toyota is already working on this. Daihatsu is already working on this with Toyota. So it's obvious that it's going to filter down to Perdua along the way. And something like this, I think, will tickle a lot of Malaysians to buy because, A, it's a Perdua. You know, you've got good after sales, good reliability. Number two, you know the parent is Toyota. And the next important thing is UMW Toyota in Malaysia has made a bold statement that they are going to go hybrid in a big way in the next few years, starting with the Toyota Corolla Cross Hybrid, which is coming end of this year. Mm. So in terms of backup and technology, it's going to be widespread with Perdua and Toyota. And you know, these two, if you combine their total numbers in Malaysia, they are the biggest automotive engineering company in, in Malaysia, you know? We have a lot of that to look forward to, I guess. But um, one of the cars that we need to look forward to now is the Honda City Hatchback. And mm. I've been looking at this car for quite some time, but... Uh, can't get around its looks. I don't like it. Okay, I don't want to comment about its looks, but I'm actually a little bit upset with this car. Why? I could be wrong, but if this car comes into Malaysia, which it is, that means the new Honda Jazz will not come to Malaysia. Mm. Oh. And I like the new Honda Jazz. I saw it in Japan a few years ago. I thought it looked really funky, really stylish. And now with the Honda City hatchback, it just doesn't make sense for the Honda Jazz to be sitting side by side with it. I mean, there will be no point to launching the Jazz because they did say in their press release that the space of the car, the, the way the interior is designed, has very configurable seats, which functions almost exactly like the Honda Jazz. So Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm, ho I'm hoping that this is just, you know, like, I tickle you now, la, then, you know, you wait and see, like, February, I bring the Jazz in, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know? Richard, our man of taste. I don't mind it at all. I mean, it, it just looks functional to me. <laughs> it's a car. That's about it. 
Uh, it's okay. Uh, it's one of those, you know. It, it doesn't make me jump out of my seat and say I have to have one of these. But, you know, I could see your average kind of, you know, family man, family woman just picking one of these up. And, yeah, it's one of those, right? And it's, and it's a direct rival to the Toyota Yaris, which yeah. is a few years old. So I think the new Yaris will be coming in and it'll probably be a hybrid to compete with this car. Mm-mm. In terms of uh, technical specifications, it's essentially very similar to the City sedan. So you get the V and the RS spec. You don't get the two base model versions. Get a choice of either a 1.5 liter petrol or an EHEV hybrid powertrain with 250 newton meters of torque. That's almost as much torque as my six-cylinder BMW, which is kind of embarrassing. Uh, It has LED lights, remote engine start, Honda Lane Watch and Honda Sensing, which we know works very, very well and is kind of necessary these cars these days. So uh, what are we expecting in terms of price? I think it's going to be very similar to the City. I don't think it's going to be very much difference because why? It's, it's almost the same vehicle. Yep. It's just that it's a hatchback. Speaking of almost the same vehicle, we have a couple more launches from Peugeot, which are the leaders of the SUV market in Europe, and they mm. are making their return under new owners, essentially. And they are Burma's Auto Alliance. So they've launched two cars. Uh, one of them is 3008. It's a mid-size SUV, same sort of market as the CX-5, 161,000. Not much to talk about in terms of spec and colors and technical specifications because it's pretty much par for the cost with everything else. Then you have the 5008, which was launched back in 2019, but uh, now it's been updated. 177,000 ringgit for a seven-seater massive SUV. I think it's maybe slightly smaller than the Hyundai Santa Fe, but longer. It competes directly with the CX-8, Mazda CX-8. Ah, there you go. So it's very, very big. (laughs) Did you have a little spin in it, Daniel? I had a drive in both vehicles. And the thing is, I look at the 3008. And if you look at the spec and the engine power delivery, you know, the 1.6 turbocharged engine and everything else, it's almost on par with the BMW X1. Mm-hmm. which is almost 30,000 ringgit more. But can Malaysians look past the badge branding and say, okay, if I want an SUV, I want you know 1.6, so it's low on consumption and Rotex, and it's got enough power, and it's got great safety features, and it's got stylish looks. Can I give the Peugeot a good rival to the BMW X1? That is the thing. That's the big question. I do feel like Malaysians have some sort of brand loyalty towards Peugeot, though, from the past. It seems like everybody had one in the 70s. True, but th- that slowly died off you know, as, as issues came up with the previous uh, brand owner who had after-sales issues and everything else. But now with, with the new company, I hope that that changes. And also because Talantis, which is the owner of Peugeot and so many other brands, they actually have an office here right now. They're actually people from Stellantis in Malaysia. So they want to make sure that this brand succeeds and also future brands that they will bring in like Opel and all. Citroen is going to be reintroduced, DS, you you name it. They're all coming in, but in time, not so fast. And I think the big push will be first for electric vehicles because they all have small electric cars. Speaking Mm. of electric vehicles and struggling brands trying to make a name for themselves, we have one, which I think a lot of people still don't believe are great cars, and it's the Hyundai Kona. So many variations have launched in the past couple of years. In five years, three variants. Yeah, how do you even pick it out, right? Yeah. Um, but this one is electric, and you will know it's electric because it doesn't have a grill. Mm. It looks like a salamander. It does look a bit weird, yeah. Very attractive, though. I think a lot of people will fall for it when they see it on the roads. Oh, Daniel's gone very quiet. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you a question. All electric cars being sold in Malaysia are doing very well, except for the lower price electric cars. So, mm. premium 
Luxury electric cars are selling like crazy. I mean, you, you know, the BMW 100 units before even launch. Porsche Taycan has already reached more than 200 units. Malaysians just want luxury electric cars, right? Mm. But how many Hyundai Konas do you see on the road? How many Nissan Leafs do you see on the road? How many Renault Zoe's do you see on the road? You know? True, true, yeah. And these are all below 200,000. Now, this Kona Electric, its estimated price is 150,000. You're talking about a premium Korean product. It's built for the global market. So the quality, fit, finish is really good. It looks good. And it's got a modern outlook. It's got a good battery system. It's got everything going for it. 150,000. Why isn't it flying off the shelves now? you got the Nissan Leafs. Now the price is coming down to about 160 plus. I call the people at Edoran Tanchong. There's not been a lot of interest. Mm. People are still waiting for the luxury cars to come. So this is the problem. Malaysians who buy electric cars, to me, they're not actually buying to save the planet or climate change. They're just buying a luxury car that is tax-free. See, and this is what's confusing to me. Um, I love the idea of electric cars for what they stand for. You know, the, the long-term benefits of it. Uh, but the way in which electric vehicles are being marketed right now, it needs to be turned on its head. You know, we need to not necessarily stop pushing for luxury electric vehicles. We just yes. need to be pushing up the, the Koners and the, you know, like the, the Nissan Leafs a little bit harder, I think. Correct. Yeah. And you know, the Renault Zoe stopped selling a few years ago. They never introduced the latest model. This is the time to bring in the latest model. But when I spoke to the people there, they were like, mm, yeah, mm. they don't want to really tell me, hey, can sell or not? Mm. I feel like if it does just about as well as remember the sort of like hoo ha that happened when the Toyota CHR first came over. Yes. They sold like a few hundred units very, very quickly and then nobody sort of cared about it anymore. Yes. I feel like if it sells like that, to me, it will be kind of a success. You get some people into a very, very good Hyundai, a very, very good electric car in the first place that can do many, many things and is quite premium and stylish. Yeah, but it's the badge branding. That's the thing. You see, like the Mini Electric, it hasn't got fantastic features, but it's a Mini. And yeah. it's 200,000 ringgit. And it was sold yeah. out even before it, it got off the boat. Second batch also sold out. That is why till today, we have not had the opportunity to test drive it because every unit has been taken up. If Malaysians can warm up to the idea of Korean cinema chain that mm -hmm. charges something like 35 to 40 bucks for a movie ticket, they should warm up to a Hyundai Kona Electric. <laughs> I don't know why we are so obsessed with Korean products and films and everything. They are very good stuff, but we still don't want to buy a Korean car. That's a confusing thing to me. Because I think the Korean cuisine and the Korean fashion industry and the TV shows or whatever you're talking about don't cost 150,000 ringgit. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of electric cars, over the past week, there was this huge, massive wave of news from Ford Global, not Ford Malaysia, uh, because they introduced something called the F100 Illuminator concept. Mm -hmm. Very interesting stuff. Because what it is, is a Ford Resto mod from Ford itself. And it was made to officially launch the EV crate motor. Each motor has about 281 horsepower, can be purchased through any Ford dealer in the US, starting at $3,900. And about four days after it was introduced, it's all been sold out at every single Ford dealer. Of course. For $4,000, you can buy an electric motor to fit into your old car. That's amazing. Yeah. And the images that they showed of the, the vehicle that they fitted it to was just... Oh, it's done so tastefully, right? Arif, you're going to post this up on our Instagram. All of these cars will be posted to our Instagram at BFM Cruise Control so you can swipe through and critique along with what we are critiquing, I guess. <laughs> 
You can critique our critiques, is what Arif is trying to say. Yeah. Let's take a short break, shall we? Yeah. Folks, you're tuned into Cruise Control. That's the car show here on BFM with me, Rich Bradbury, Arif Ruse, and the man with his own website, dsf.my, Daniel Fernandez. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. Bombing Frustrated Minds, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. And we're now heading into our used car buying guide. This week, we're discussing a rare and very unusual people carrier, something called a Nissan days. Daniel's going to tell us all about this K car and why he'd rather buy one over a tax-free electric car. But first, tonight's used car review is powered by Carsome, Southeast Asia's largest integrated car buying and selling platform. Buy and sell cars for complete peace of mind at carsome.my. Make it Carsome today. <laughs> so, Daniel. Now, now, Richard made it sound like I don't want to buy an electric car. It's not that I don't want to buy an electric car. Uh-huh. I'm not ready to buy an electric car, just like the both of you. <laughs> and the reason is this. Now, to start off with, I, I, I just stumbled upon this car. It's called a Nissan Days. It's a small little compact car. To, to give you a perspective of what its size is like, it's like a slightly larger Perdua Canari. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's tall, it's boxy, it's got a streamlined front. It's actually a product of Nissan Japan, and you know, in Japan, if you go to Japan, you'll see every pro- every brand, any every Japanese car brand has got a K car. K car means a little mini car. That means they have a small engine, normally three cylinder, six hundred cc, seven hundred cc or so, turbocharged or maybe even twin turbo. They have fantastic safety features. These cars are built to a very high standard. The, the features in a K car can match what you see in a 2-liter or even a 2.5-liter uh, equivalent Japanese car, I mean equivalent brand. And I've been amazed with K cars for years. But why don't we have K cars in Malaysia? Why don't we have Honda One? That's a K car. The Nissan Days, the new ones, the Nissan Rook. Mitsubishi has K cars. Suzuki has K cars. We don't have them in Malaysia because of our tech structure. For example... If these cars came in and they enjoyed the same tax incentive of, say, Perdua and Proton, they will sell like hotcakes. Then the local national cars can't survive. And the local national cars survive because of their price advantage, because they don't pay tax. So having Nissan Days in Malaysia is like, you know, like, wow, why was this car here? So this car, just one unit was brought in by Edaran Tanchong at a time when I think they were testing market or maybe they were saying, you know, is there a possibility to do a local assembly? So I did a little bit of research. Now, this car, if you, if they brought it in from Japan and paid the tax as a fully imported car, it would have been about seventy-five to 80,000 ringgit. That's expensive. Yeah. So that price for a compact car with, you know, 660, 600-odd um, uh, uh, cubic capacity, three-cylinder engine, you're not going to sell a lot. You'll sell a handful. Because why? You can get a Proton or Perdua for much less and it's a bigger vehicle, you know? Yeah. So Nissan understood that. And so, of course, this car after some, you know, maybe they used it within themselves. They did further testing and realized it's not feasible. They put it up for sale. And it was in the used car lot that I spotted this car because I went to the used car lot to look at something else. Mm-hmm. And I also thought about it. If, if this car was local assembled, okay, if they managed to even, you know, 
poke around a few parts and this and that and get some incentives, you're still looking at 60 to 65,000 ringgit, which I think is a pretty good price. Yes, the Canary was much less, but if you look at the features in this car, I mean, it's hard for me to describe it. And I know you, you can see the pictures, but if you actually got up and close with this car like I did and got inside this car, you'll realize that, hey, it's really a good little car. Yes, the engine is not so powerful, but it's so economical. It's so easy to drive. It's so easy to park. Build quality is superb. Even though this car is a 2013 car, it's seven years old. When I got into it, the build quality was still almost like new. This is what is impressive about Japanese imported cars. So anyway, mm. so I looked at this Nissan days and I said, you know, okay, they're selling it for 28800 So maybe you can bargain it down to 28000 So 28000 is a very good price for something that is fully imported, low mileage. The only problem is it doesn't have a lot of boot space. You know, maybe I'm going to have a little bit of problem with some consumable spare parts because there's no volume here. I might need to order them from Japan, you know, things like that. So I went to see a used car in this lot with a friend of mine. I was talking to him and said, you know, would you buy this or would you buy a Renault Zoe? Because there was also a Renault Zoe in the lot. Mm. Now, a Renault Zoe, uh, a used one, 2016 model, goes for around forty-five to 50,000 ringgit. And I said, you know... Yes, you know, because it's used, you know, the battery has probably got about 75 to 80% health check on it. Accident-free, it looks nice. I like the shape of the Renault Zoe, honestly. I like the way it looks. It looks very futuristic, you know, nice and clean. Uh, interior space is quite decent for five people and you have a decent-sized boot. So the Nissan Days, of course, has got much less space and then also, you know, very small boot. But I said to myself, you know, if I wanted to, say, travel to, say, Kulim, to see the new mm. Porsche factory, right? Mm -hmm. I will need to stop along the way to charge my Renault Zoe. Now, even though the Renault Zoe will be cheap to charge, I still need to stop somewhere and wait. Now, yeah. that waiting could be 45 minutes, an hour, maybe even two hours, depending on my battery health and also what kind of traffic I'm facing, right? Now, if I had this Nissan days, I can cruise right up to Kulim without any problem. If I need to fuel up five minutes and come on, this car is 600cc three-cylinder, it'll be a breeze in terms of how much money I'm going to put into that fuel tank. But then again, you know, I want to be environmentally friendly. I want to not worry about emissions, lah. You know. Sorry, Dayo. I just yeah. I know it's a, probably a really good car, it's safe and everything. But I'm not sure I would take a Nissan Days all the way up to Kalimkada because it's gonna be noisy. You are gonna be the one that's stuck in a Days. Okay, I'm going to correct you there because you know what? I've driven K cars like this, and I actually took this Nissan Days for a short test drive. I asked the dealer, "Can I take it for a short test drive?" These cars are so well put together. Don't compare it to a local assembled car, please. Okay? Sound insulation is good. Wind noise is not that bad. Okay? Yes, the Renault Zoe would, would give you better wind noise. And yes, this car, you'll have to cruise at about 90 to 100. You know, trying to beat the speed limit will not be a good idea at all. Yeah. But end of the day, I'll have very good fuel consumption. I'll have a nice, comfortable car, well built. And then, say, like, five years down the line, okay? I want to sell this Nissan Days. How much can I lose? Say I sell it for 10,000 ringgit. Okay. I lose 18,000 ringgit. I've had five years of trouble-free motoring experience. I've had good fuel consumption. Now, if I get the Renault, Renault Zoe for 40 over 1,000, five years from now, if that battery has gone kaput, how much is the value of the car? Yeah. Mm. I'll probably get 10K also. But my loss will be 30 over 1,000 ringgit. So yes, I've, I've not spent so much on fuel, but I've got range anxiety if I want to go to certain places. Number two, think about it. In recent weeks, everybody has been outstationed, right? Highways have been jam-packed. Toll plazas have been jam-packed. Imagine now someone going to Ipoh to travel for food, you know? Day trip. He takes his electric car. 
center of Ipoh is jam-packed. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the pictures on social media. Mm-hmm. And you see that battery going down, 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 down. What are you going to do? You can't stop at the side and charge it. You can't go to the nearest petrol station. You have to find a charger. Yep. So I think all this is, is what is holding me back on buying a used electric car right now. Just a little note on the, the valuation of the, the K cars in general. Right. You know how we've been talking about like JDM cars have gone through the roof in terms yes. of prices with yes. the Nissan Silvias and GTRs and all that stuff. I do believe it's being driven by the American infatuation of these Japanese cars. And the same thing, I believe, is happening with K cars. Um, you have lots of really popular journalists in like California and New York who are buying Japanese K cars. And honestly, I think if you buy one now, you probably won't ever lose money at all for a Nissan Days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because yeah. it's a K car. It's so unique. Yes. And the funny thing is, you see, this car has been sitting in the lot for some time. I saw it. I took some pictures. I did a short article on it. I put it up on DSF. The next day, the dealer sold the car. <laughs> wow. Would the um, Nissan Cube be considered a K car? No. But it's oh. also a nice, small, little, cute car, right? Yeah, 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 but that's a four-cylinder. The Nissan Micra, which looks like a little Beetle. Yes, Very yes. curved. Yes, you know, Mitsuoka also had it. That's not a K car. That is still a four-cylinder car. K cars are normally boxy, square, not very attractive-looking cars with three-cylinder engines. They fall under a certain um, tax bracket in Japan. Right, right, right. Proton Juara, right? That but was that's a van, so, so it's not a K car. Uh, Prodor Rusa. No, it's a van. That's a van? It's a van, no. It's got to be smaller. So like the Honda N1, you know, Mitsubishi has got a few. I can't remember the names because... I kind of like the Juara as well. Oh. You like the Juara? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, no, it, it, I've seen it, when, you know, and somebody's kind of souped it up and they've put, you know, uh, bull bars on it and what, and it looks kind of cool Yeah. in a, that weird kind of... Anyway, I'll just... Yeah, you two carry on. Never mind. Okay, and, anyway, the Proton Juara, the, the, it's actually a, a, a rebadged Mitsubishi town box. Now, if you looked at the Mitsubishi Town Box, it's actually a quite attractive vehicle. And I've seen some people who managed to get like, you know, the, this junkyard half cuts from Japan and they converted mm. the Juara to look like a Town Box and, it's, and it works well. I mean, when it was launched in Malaysia, when the Juara was launched in Malaysia, the Town Box was selling in Singapore and it was selling quite well. Mm-hmm. Oh, didn't know that. But that's not a K car. I guess I have to put more respect into the Proton Juara's name. Mm, yes. I'm sorry, Proton Juara fans. The thing is now, if I'm not ready to buy a second-hand electric car, I think a lot of middle-class Malaysians are also feeling the same way. That's what I'm trying to say. I agree. I'm not going to disagree. How about mm. that? <laughs> That's good. I, I mean, I, I like it. Um, it. It's cute. You know, it's something that would suit um, very, very urban inner city kind of driving and mm. living. Like you, though, uh, Arif, I'm not so sure I'd be driving it up to Kulim. I don't know. I don't think you'd even fit in it, man. Oh. No, he'll fit in it. This guy's got bags of space. Let me tell you, he'll fit in it because I took a picture with my friend sitting at the back and my friend is six foot tall and he sat at the back very comfortably. Mm. Uh, you can see in one of the pictures, the only problem is the boot space is really tiny. You know what I think this car can be used for in, in like the Malaysian context? Um, Sunday church, banana leaf trips, you know, those local family go-to areas where you, you know, you need to stuff people in a car but really don't want to bring like a Valfire because it's too big. I think this is just a perfect inner city car. A mom trying to pick up a child from school, you know, just want to yeah. be in and out of traffic. Someone like Richard getting to work. He doesn't need anything fancy. He just needs to get to work, park the car and go up, you know, that kind of thing, mm, mm. you know. Uh, someone like me who's running errands, I think this guy is perfect. If I need some space, I just put the back seats down. They work fine, you know. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's cheap to run, and it's cheap to own, and it's well-built product. That's all. Too bad is already gone. Yep. That's it then. We should wrap up, ladies and gents, shouldn't we? Folks, thank you very much for tuning in to this week's edition of Cruise Control. Of course, we will be back same time, same place. Of course, that was tonight's car review of the Nissan Days. Interested in getting a Nissan or any other used cars? Buy your next car from the largest selection of quality used cars from Carsum.my. All Carsum certified cars have passed a strict 175-point inspection, come with a five-day money-back guarantee, one-year warranty, and fixed prices with no hidden fees. Buy and sell cars with complete peace of mind at Carsum.my. Make it Carsum today. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on Cruise Control. And don't forget to check out our Instagram to see all the beautiful and not-so-beautiful cars we've spoken about today. For BFM 89.9, I'm Rich Bradbury. And on behalf of Ari Fruz and Daniel Fernandez, this is Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.